Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's up, baseball family? This week, we are going to talk about manager shuffling. A new baseball league is emerging, and we've got World Series updates right now. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now, Baseball Together. Welcome back, baseball family, to this special Halloween edition of the Baseball Together podcast. I'm Captain Briggy Blue Eyes, and I got my quartermaster here with me, Blackjack Brad. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm so good and so excited for this. And wouldn't you know it, of course, we're both pirates. I mean, yeah. absolutely. What else would we be? Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. I, I, need, a, I need an old-timey mug. You do. Something pewter. Okay. Yes. Let's get into this. First, I want to let everybody know that we hope you are having a wonderful Halloween, that everything is set and ready to go, and that you will be celebrating. Also hope that if you're not celebrating, you're also very happy about that. But what you should be doing is getting into sports betting, because it is rapidly rising in popularity, and what we have decided to do is connect you with an opportunity to either get started or to get ahead in that effort. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to maximize your profits, and there has never been a better time to sign up than right now. When you visit our sign-up page at signupexpert.com baseball, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region, along with a review of every platform and its unique benefits. All of the sportsbooks, they all have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and when you register through the baseball together link you'll automatically or automatically receive the top offer at each one so when you use multiple sports books we're learning that you ensure that you can always access the best available odds that's super key to successful sports betting so if you want to take advantage of these benefits and support the show sign up for your next sports book at signupexpert.com slash baseball. As always, there's a link in the episode description and in the doobly-doo on YouTube. Also, if you're on YouTube, we are dressed up. And if you did, if you aren't on YouTube, you should go over there, hit the like and subscribe button so You'll that you can see yourself. all the shenanigans we're pulling because we're, we're yeah. dressed up for how yeah. yeah. And then like and subscribe for sure. Yeah, definitely do that part. All right. It helps a lot more than you know. <laughs> Let's get into some current events, Mr. Bradman, Blackjack yeah. Brad. Dusty Let's Baker do has officially oh, captain, my captain. announced. Huh? Let's do it, oh, Captain, my captain. Oh, okay. You're going to talk over me again? I'll make you swab the deck. <laughs> 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 I've always wanted to say swab the deck to somebody. <laughs> okay. There's not any lashings. That's right. Anyway, D- Sorry. Dusty Baker, well, don't stow away. Wow, this could go on for a long time. Dusty Baker has officially announced his retirement from baseball. This, I feel like, is bittersweet, but also certainly justifiable. Um, Do you know he's only 74? I thought he was like 10 years older than that. I did, too. I did, too. Yeah, he's 74 years old. He played 
from 1968 to 1986. That is a 19-year baseball career. He was with the Dodgers for eight, the Braves for eight, the A's for two, and the Giants for one year. And he was part of the Giants coaching staff from 1988 to 1992. Then he became a manager. And when he started helming the boat, that was in 1993. <laughs> and he was with the Giants until 2002. Then he moved over to the Cubs from 03 to 06, the Reds from 08 to 13, the Nats from 16 and 17, and then he's been with the Astros 2020 through 2023. That is an absolutely enormous career. It and is. Not only, in, not only in terms of length or duration and chronology, but in terms of cap you know, like the awards and recognition and, and winning. He's had three pennants, one World Series title, and 26 ejections. Now, that's something we can all be excited about. You know, it's it shocks me, honestly, that it's only 26. Me too. <laughs> For all those years, only 26. But the other thing I saw, I saw a stat the other day that said that between being a player, member of coaching staff, and a manager, Dusty Baker has been a part of just over 3% of all Major League Baseball games that have ever been played. Whoa. That's a lot. It's <laughs> a really big number for That's one guy. That's yeah. a stat right there, Mr. Brad. Yeah. <laughs> and that is the kind of stuff that got me the rank quartermaster. Thank you very much. That, you right. <laughs> for those of you that don't know, the quartermaster is the first mate on a pirate ship, whereas on a military vessel, it would be a first Somewhere mate. Somewhere else. So yeah. the quartermaster does something else. All right. The more manager stuff. Congratulations to Dusty Baker. Thanks for coming. Moving on. Giants signed Bob Melvin. We talked about it a little bit last week. They had permission from the Padres to do an interview. That lasted like 18 hours, and then they hired him, and here we are. So it's a three-year deal, and I want to know from you, baseball family, was Bob Melvin leaving more about joining the Giants or leaving the Padres? That's the question. And it can be both. Brad, what do you think? I think it's both, honestly. Okay. The, a big part of it was he was ready to be done with the Padres. Like we talked about before, a lot of egos in that clubhouse to manage, and that is tough. And I don't and, and I said last week that he's he hasn't proven to have the ability to manage egos. He just hasn't I don't and I don't know that he doesn't have the ability. He just hasn't done it well thus far. Right. But the other thing is is that He's from the Bay Area. He's from Palo Alto, California. Yeah, so, I did not know that until you brought it up. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and I saw that. I was like, of course, because I saw that he was from Palo Alto. I was like, where is that? It's not, it can't be Southern California. As I looked at it, it is right on the water, right next to San Jose. So he yes. is not far from where he grew up uh, being with the Giants. And he wasn't far from there being with the A's either. So it makes sense that he was as comfortable as he was with Oakland for as long as he was. And then now wow. going back to San Francisco. The Giants. I know we don't. I know we talk about how the the manager doesn't have like a. I don't know. I want to say like a huge impact, but I think it'll be significant enough. The Giants could get back to where they were contending in the NL West again next year. Yeah, it's hard to say the manager doesn't have a huge impact though. Like well, the, the thing is though is on the team. It does, but I think part of it, though, is that the manager's role has been diminished over the last decade or so because the front office has so much more to do with everything yeah. with analytics, right? Totally, yeah. 
where they're like, okay, you're you're starting this lineup against this pitcher because they're splits, right? Like this yeah. guy hits best against lefties during day game, so he's gonna hit over your regular starter. Yeah, you know, exactly. like stuff like that. And yeah. so the manager's role in that sense is diminished, but at the same time, though, he's gotta he's gotta know when to stick to the playbook that they've outlined before the game and when to go with his gut and make another change. Like in Toronto, they threw um Schneider under the bus yeah, for pulling for who was it? Was it uh um but oh Barrios, right? They pulled Barrios. Yeah, Barrios. yeah. Jeez. in the That's division so, that series. That feels like a hundred years ago. I know, or in the wild card series, and the <laughs> and the GM was like, "Oh, that was all his decision." Yeah, I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't believe you. One of these things is not like the other. Yeah, exactly. You, he, he can't be the only manager in the entire league that has sole autonomy over what decisions are made in in the game. So no, I don't way. believe you. Yeah, I don't believe you either. <laughs> But no, I th- I think that Bob Melvin's going to have a tremendous impact in, in San Francisco, though. I do too. I think it's going to be awesome. Speaking of awesome, it's award season, and if you don't know what award season is in baseball, this is the time of year where we start to get into Gold Gloves, Silver Sluggers, and notably today the Roberto Clemente Award. Aaron Judge has won the Roberto Clemente Award for community work. He will get to wear the number 21 logo on the back of his cap, his game caps, for the rest of his career. And that denotes that he's a part of this group of particular winners of the Roberto Clemente Award. Another guy, if if you've never seen it, Anthony Rizzo is another guy off the top of my head who's won it, who has that same thing on the back of his hat. That's right. That's right. Um, So, it may I mean, it makes a lot of sense that he won. Right. right, because yeah. he spends a lot of time in the community, especially this season. He's been injured, so he's had an opportunity to not play baseball. I was really hoping and... you would read that the way that I wrote it, Brick. Yeah, I did. I got it. Because <laughs> I said I that it makes sense. You started laughing. Because <laughs> he did. He had so much time. Like with that injury, it's not like he couldn't walk. He could go out and spend time in, this, in the community. Absolutely, he's going to win it for, for sure. sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It only makes sense. And we'll we should do a breakdown on how the award, what it means, and how you earn it, and yeah. different things like that. But yeah. needless to say, at this point, Roberto Clemente did a tremendous amount for the people in and around, but especially outside baseball. And right. I mean, I mean, he, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but he died in a plane crash on his way to doing service. In Puerto Rico, yeah, right? exactly. So that's exactly right. So we'll talk. We'll talk more about that a different time. But congratulations to Aaron Judge for winning this year's Roberto Clemente Award. Well deserved and well time spent not on the field. Way to go! And he's also the yeah. tallest winner ever. <laughs> that's a fact. <laughs> All right, Cleveland. Cleveland's baseball club is meeting with a particular manager regarding their new opening. Because Tito's retired. That manager is Craig Council for Cleveland. Now, yeah. Now, now, I don't understand. I don't understand. Because everything we heard and all this, the, all the reports and all the rumors and everything indicated that he would probably look at the Mets 
because he was going to follow the GM over. Right. Whatever that so, guy's name was. This makes a lot of sense why he would just even go in and have a meeting with Cleveland. Sure. And I didn't even think about this until literally just now, Brig. Okay, I want to hear it. Okay, so he's pretty. He's probably got that job with the Mets wrapped up in in a bag. He's just got to take it and open it, right? I'll bet you're right. Yeah. So I think what this is, what he's doing, is saying, you know, Cleveland was going to give me X amount of money yeah. over Y amount of years. Yeah. I really like what they've got going over there. They got some pretty good pitching. Could use some work offensively, but I can work with pitching. I did it in Milwaukee, right? For sure. Feels yeah. like a pretty good fit to me. Yeah. So unless you give me X plus Z and match Y years, I'll just go to Cleveland. Yeah. Weak division. Totally. Have a really good chance of making the playoffs every single year. Yeah. So why the heck not? Yeah. That's interesting perspective, and you're you're right. That's one I hadn't thought about until now. Because, yeah, I think the leverage play. Why? But let's talk about all the reasons it doesn't feel like a good fit. Because I think there are a number of them, and you you brought up one as a potential leverage in the negotiation. But Mm -hmm. I think that being a smaller market is probably a downside. It's probably a, a something he would well that's the thing though is it it makes it's easy for new york to match and and then some right what cleveland offers right yeah Yeah, so he could just be like this is this is my base offer and if you don't match or go above then i can easily get this here and potentially get more later but what i'm saying is like let's say new york doesn't offer him anything does he end up in cleveland or if he doesn't like new york yeah if if New if New York doesn't give him any like say like the Mets are like nah, Never we don't mind. need you right yeah there's right. plenty of plenty of fish in the sea, um, I I could see him ending up in Cleveland because like I said I think it works because he that team is not too dissimilar from what he had in Milwaukee the bats That's aren't true. quite as potent right like he's, there's no Christian Yelich on that team but maybe Jose Ramirez, Quan really good hitter Quan yeah right Quan's good. Yeah, the uh, the nailers are hitting these days. They are right. So, and you've got when some pretty good pitching. Yeah. You've got some pretty good pitching. I could see him coming in being a difference maker. Yeah. Oh, dude, the, you know, with the way he manages Council, that pitching staff, Craig Council would be the second greatest thing to ever happen to Cleveland. What was the first? LeBron James? No, Tito. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the Tito and his dad, Tito. Oh, okay. <laughs> Terry's the Terry's Francona. <laughs> the Terry's Francona. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, Major League Baseball has announced that they are going to examine the playoff format after what happened this year. Let's just recap. Three of the four teams that had a bye in the opening round lost or uh yeah, they lost they didn't their play in the wild series. card. Yeah. Yeah. Uh two of those were sweeps. And the question we're all wondering is, is the is it the teams that need to change how they manage that time off and, and what, you know, how they approach that? Is it the team's responsibility or is it Major League Baseball's responsibility? Um, so there, there's no announcement 
as to what plans are being made or what level of discussion this is reaching. No changes are imminent or anything like that, but right. it's going, it's going this direction in, in circles right now with major league baseball executives. Yeah. And I think it is up to the teams yeah, because it's up to too. teams to prepare for every series. So if you're upset about getting swept in the division series after having three, four days off, that's on you, my friend, be better. Figure out a way to get your players ready to keep them ready during their days off when everybody, when there are other teams playing. Because Houston figured out something. Houston found a way. You're right. And granted, goodness. (laughs) Granted, they were playing the Twins, a team that we didn't expect to go anywhere, right? For sure. They're the Twins are overmatched. But still, the Astros came in ready to play and they went on to the championship series. They pushed that to seven games. So I don't think you'd be like, well, it's it's a problem. It's a, no, you're it's your preparation. Yeah, is what it is. For Find me, this this lands on the club the, from top oh, to definitely. bottom. Yeah, the players. Yeah, no, they don't need to, to do. Coaches. They don't need to do anything about it. It's it comes down to the teams and their preparation going yes. into the division series. So that's all it is. Yep, I agree. And and even break, you could say how they end the season because the Braves, the Dodgers, both coasted to the finish line. The yeah. Orioles didn't really, but they didn't have the best finish to the season. No, they didn't. Right? Yeah. But no, the, the Braves and the Dodgers certainly coasted, and that, I think, really hurt them going into the, into the division series. Yeah, because you're saying it set a tone, and yeah. then I'm off only forward to that. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Well, it's like Dansby Swanson says, winning culture doesn't flip a switch. Right, you can't do that. You've got to, you've got to have it set. And by just, whew, we got where we wanted to be. Okay, now we get ready for the postseason. No, let's play some competitive baseball through the rest of the season and get ready for the postseason. How about that? Yeah, steamroll. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, we'll keep you updated, baseball family, on how that development goes. We're probably not going to hear anything for a very long time, but it is in discussion. I think I think that's all we're going to hear about it for now is that they're going to talk yeah. about it. I don't think, like they, Rob Manfred even said, we're not going to change anything. It's only been two years. Yeah, exactly. So at this point, I think they're just going to kind of keep it on the back burner, keep it in the back of their minds, and see how things like go data. next year. Yeah. Right? Yes. And then, yeah, I think it's just something they're going to consciously track from here on out. For sure. Now, in exciting news, and we'll talk about Rob Manfred a little bit later, but in really exciting news, there's a new baseball league representing the Middle East and South Asia, Asia Minor and other places like that. It's called Baseball United, and it will be headquartered in Dubai. The teams are in India, Pakistan, and the UAE, the United Arab Emirates. Uh, So far, it's a four-team league. Four teams, which is right. just great. Small. But I, I think that's how the KBO. I mean, most team, most leagues like this start up really small. Like the KBO yeah. is still only what eight teams. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So four teams is plenty, especially since their season probably won't be too long. We don't have a whole lot of details, but we are going to get into it later for you. Yep. Yes. If you need to scratch the baseball itch during the winter, this is one way to do it, and we're going to get you prepped for it. On a later date. But anyway. And also, we never stop talking about baseball. So if you're with us year-round, that's that's where we are. We're still here every (laughs) week talking about baseball. doesn't matter how. (laughs) It's awesome. All right. That's why you got to subscribe. Okay. So uh, 
four teams in the league, the Mumbai Cobras, that's the Indian team. Barry Larkin is the honorable general manager, and Chris Sabo is the manager right now. Karachi, that's in Pakistan. They are the Karachi Monarchs. Adrian Beltre is their honorable GM, and Miguel Tejada has been named as their manager. The Dubai Wolves, Felix Hernandez is the honorable general manager, honorable, honorary, honorable, honorary. Honorary. There, that's where it's like honorable doesn't sound quite right. I don't know why I keep saying honorable. <laughs> Probably they are, you, I'm, I'm they sure they are, are honorable. And, and I did yeah. abbreviate it as honorable. You're right. Very nice, honorable, <laughs> and very honorary as well, general managers. <laughs> uh, so Felix, King Felix, Felix, uh, King Felix in Dubai, maybe he's hanging out with the kings and princes and all that. That would be. He might be. I'll bet he is. You think they're t- telling him he's King Felix over there? I'll bet they are. <laughs> I'm sure oh, that's how they got awesome. him there. Yeah, I'll bet you're right. <laughs> John McLaren is the manager there. And then the Abu Dhabi Falcons. Nick Swisher is the honorary, if not honorable, general manager. And Dennis Cook is the manager. We have a few ex-Major League Baseball players who have already been drafted in. This is where it gets really fun. And this is where we will be giving you more information as we go along. But right now, we know that Robbie Cano, Robinson Cano, don't you know, Bartolo Colon, <laughs> big sexy himself, Pablo Sandoval, Sir Didi Gregorius, and Andrelton Simmons have all been drafted into Baseball United, headquartered in Abu Dhabi. Brad, do you have anything you want to say before we move on? Yeah. Who's your team, Brick? Who you got? Do you have I a don't team know yet? yet? I don't know yet. I'm gonna wait till I do all the things I gotta do, and then I will decide. Do you have you picked yet? I do. I have a team, yeah, and I think it's pretty obvious based on who we have yeah. here so far because we got yeah. King Felix as their honorary or honorable GM, yeah, and John right. McLaren, former Mariner manager and longtime bench coach, by the way. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm a Dubai Wolves fan all the way. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, on that logic, died in the wall, if be... you will. Don't I need to be uh, Nick Swisher's Abu Dhabi Falcon? I don't know. You might. I might have to, but I don't. I don't know if I feel good about it. You know, I, I'd like to feel good about it, and I may yeah. end up coming back to that. But I, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't actually know. Because well, the hard thing is that the Karachi Monarchs have Adrian Beltre as well, right? I know. Yeah, everybody's favorite. So that one's tough. But no, with King Felix and uh, John McLaren, yeah, you can't, absolutely totally. going with the Dubai Wolves. Can't go any other way. 100%. Wouldn't expect you to do anything else. I hope you lose there too. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. That seems stacked though. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Game one of the World Series. Uh, and we're going to get into the World Series next. But game one of the World Series drew the lowest ratings for game one of the world series ever in the history of televised world series game one this was the lowest recorded rating ever reports say that it drew 9.18 million viewers previous low was 2020 covid season 9.27 million viewers brad I want to know what's going on while I look something up, okay? Okay. What do you think? So there are a couple things I can think of, possibly. Um, I wonder how much cord cutting has to do with this, right? 
Um, because I'm sure that there are people who have cut the cord and then instead of watching it at home, they're either going to a bar, going to a friend's house or mooching off somebody else's cable or satellite subscription to watch on their Roku, Apple TV, whatever. Right. Or pirating a, a feed somewhere online that's not tracked. And as Wes Mantooth says, you know, those rating systems are flawed. They don't account for t- for helms that have more than one TV in them. That's right. Let it's me know if you get that accurate, by the way. So I do feel like it is a little bit skewed. And I feel like more than ever, we're getting people who are watching in different ways than just on their TV at home. Right. Because yeah. because I don't know, like I said, like even people who are streaming normally, like if somebody's logged into their direct TV on their iPhone and they're watching that way, I don't know how that tracks. Right. Yeah. So or if you have somebody across the room who's logged into their own direct TV and or logged into the same direct TV watching on an iPad, I don't know how that tracks. You know, are they tracking devices? Are they assuming number of viewers per screen? I don't Is know how that works, address? but I feel like. It is more obscure now than it's ever been. And I think yeah. that has a lot to do with it. But on the other hand, I will say this about this World Series. I didn't Same. think it was going to draw a lot because of who's in it. Fair. Nobody cares about the, the Diamondbacks outside of Arizona mostly, right? Like, yeah. Out of the Southwest, nobody really cares about the Diamondbacks. And the Rangers, the Texas team that everybody loves to hate these days is the Astros. It probably yeah. would have been it probably would have been better maybe if the Astros had made it to the world series and he had a villain to watch sure. rather than the Rangers who are like a feel good story. Oh, they've never won a world series. They're only their third appearance, second or third appearance, yeah. whatever, you second, know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this is the diamondbacks It's their second appearance to the world series. They've got one under their belt. See if they can get one again, pull up Marlins and go two and zero in the world series, you know, Cinderella stories. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, how many people are paying attention to that, especially the casual baseball fans? Like, oh, I don't care. The Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, the Braves, the Astros, yeah. they're not in it. I don't really care. Right. Football. So, I had a, a friend of the podcast by the name of Mike Farns sent me a message and he said, I don't think the world is ready for a Di- Diamondbacks Rangers World Series. This was before the decisions were made at the end of the championship series. And so we talked about it a little bit, and basically he made those same arguments, and um, he made some other arguments that are much more pejorative, but I'll, I'll leave those for the text <laughs> feed. Essentially, though, he said the same thing. He agrees with you. And, Brad, do you know what the most watched fall classic has been? Since ever? Since ever. The most watched World Series, not just Game One, but the most watched World Series. Um, I would think probably 2001 had a lot to do with it. Was up there. I don't know if it's the most watched, but it's probably top five. I don't have that data. I do know that last year's series uh, between the Astros and the Phillies came in at 12.02 million. Two of the biggest cities in the country watching. Right. But and granted, DFW highly populated, Phoenix. Very- Highly populated. Also football season. Also football season. But uh, I don't know how much people care about football in Phoenix right now. Um, That's true. But also in Phoenix, you got a lot of Dodger fans. That's true. A lot of transplants. So the most watched World Series since 2004. Okay. Is 2016. The Cubs and the Indians. Mm, 
That's 23.4 million viewers. Yeah, because the Cubs. There's Cubs fans everywhere, and there's a lot on the line for that history. No doubt. Okay, baseball family, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get deeper into the World Series. We're going to talk about games one, two, and three. Welcome back, baseball family. Thank you for taking that quick break with us. Uh, so the World Series is going on right now. Uh, I, I can't say like this moment because the game just ended. We waited for it to end before proceeding. Um, but we'll get to that in just a minute. We'll get to game three in just a minute. But a few things of note that have gone on so far. First off, Cattell Marte has been on an absolute tear since his first postseason game ever. The dude has gotten a hit in every single postseason game he has ever played in in his life. He is on a 19-game hitting streak in the postseason. That is a record for those of you keeping track, those of you action, those of you who are actuaries. Um, and that's <laughs> it's it's just flat out incredible, Brig. It's amazing because you get to the postseason and you see the best pitching in the league. You have the biggest moments that you're going to see in your entire career, and that's yeah. where. I mean, that's where they separate the goods from the greats, right? In the postseason. Like, that's the reason Chris Taylor continues to have the role that he has the Dodgers because he's okay during the regular season, but you come to the postseason and that dude's lights out, right? Like, you need a big hit in the postseason. Chris Taylor's the guy who's going to get that for the Dodgers. And we've seen so far, if you need a base runner, Cattell Marte is going to get you a base runner. He's the guy. For sure. So it's amazing. I absolutely, I'm absolutely in love with it because he's a former Mariner and this is the guy who I was hoping he would pan out to be. And uh, it's amazing. Well, good. I got a question about that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Do do you, this is like the second or third time tonight on the show where you've said something like, because they used to be a member or associated with the Mariners, I am therefore on their team and rooting for them and whatever. Okay. It's interesting because as a Yankees fan, the margin is very, very narrow. Or I'm like, yeah, but, you know, like, yeah, he used to be a Yankee. So, like, for instance, uh, you know, like a Roldis Chapman is a perfect example. It's a timely example. Right. Yeah. He's not doing too hot right now no. in the postseason. No. And I'm like, yeah, good. <laughs> so <You know? laughs> it, it has a lot to do with their performance when they were in Seattle, okay. right? Good. Like, yeah. Okay, good. Like every Mariner fan is forever a King Felix fan because of what he did. And For sure. hates everybody who was part of the front office when he was a Mariner because they wrecked his career. Totally. Right? Absolutely yes. wasted all of it. Yeah. John McLaren from earlier was like the most likable guy in the world. I yeah. think he replaced um I want to say he replaced Bob Melvin. He ah. was the bench coach for so long and he was like he was so funny in the funny Mariners commercials. He was just absolutely hilarious. Everybody loved him. All the fans knew who he was and loved him cuz how often do you know and love the bench coach Brick? Let's be honest. Let's Yeah, that's what I Not was often. Say. <laughs> but we all know who he was and when they promoted him to manager after I think I like I said I think it was after Bob Melvin was fired is like, "Yeah, we love this guy. It's awesome." But he was a terrible manager. <laughs> he was so bad. But we yeah. also liked him because of what how he was the bench coach. And Cattell Marte was good in Seattle. A lot of 
the only the only saving grace for the deal that the Mariners made sending him to Arizona is they got Mitch Haniger back out of the deal. Right, right. It's if it had been anybody else, it'd be another I just one. Want, I was like, God. Yeah, listen, I just want to know if if this is a common thing in the rest of the baseball community. Like, baseball family, tell us what you think. Are you rooting for former players that happen to be in big situations like this? Or is it more of like a, eh, you can have him? <laughs> well, so I'm I'm cheering for policy. Well, we'll get into that in a little bit. Right, but, exactly. Yeah, and like I think every just about every Mariners fan is. Yeah. Because he was one of the most likable guys on that team the last few years. Right. So well, but as far go. as like Sean Figgins goes, like that guy can go to hell. But anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Fair enough. Because <laughs> he stole money while I was in Seattle. Yeah, <laughs> Forgot yeah, how to yeah. play baseball. Anyway, let's move on to game one. Yeah, there you uh, go. <laughs> so first off, Adolis Garcia set a record for the most RBIs in a single postseason. 22, 20, he has driven in 22 RBIs this postseason. That he's hit that number in game one. It maintains through game three because he did not drive in anything in game two or game three. Yeah. Um, this was previously held by the Cardinals David Freeze. And you want to know something super funny, Brig? I think it's if I heard this right. Wasn't Adolis Garcia originally? He was originally in the Cardinals organization. Yep. And went to Texas as part of with David Freeze. Yep. Crazy. Yeah, they're all they're connected. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's crazy the way things like that work out in baseball because it's like such a large world, but at the same time so small. Totally. It's bananas. Yeah. Just crazy. So he broke the record with his 60th plate appearance. Freeze set the record with his 71st. Played appearance in 2011. Um, it's no wonder, though, that Garcia set that with 60 as opposed to 71 because the dude has been hitting homers like crazy. Yeah. Is that a mark I that agree. gets broken in the next few years, the way we're seeing runs scored right now? Yeah. You think so? Yeah. Next year, year after, how long do you think it lasts? And what do you think he gets to? What do you think he gets to? Do you think he gets to 25, 26, 30? Oh, I don't know about 30. 30 is a, a lot. I can see 25. I can see 25. Well, think about this, years. though. I mean, he hits two more three-run homers. If this if this series goes seven, he gets two more three-run homers. That's 28, and then drives in two on a double. Yeah. Or I can see it. Yeah. He's got time. There's time. The yeah, way the season, the series is going. Yeah. It, yeah, certainly. Um, he also extended his home run streak to five games in a row, an RBI streak to seven games in a row after game one. Only three players ever have driven in runs in eight consecutive playoff games. Ryan Howard did it in 2008. Alex Rodriguez did it from 2007, 2009. And your boy, Brig, Lou Gehrig, oh, did it in there he 1929 is. through 1932. Yeah. Um, but Adolis Garcia, spoilers, like I said, didn't get to it in game two. So his streak ended at seven. Yep. Why don't you go ahead and tell us about the rest of game one here, Brig? Get, actually, yeah. you mind if I talk about this with Corey Seager and then I'll let you and I'll turn go it over ahead. to you? Okay, so this is this is the thing that's crazy is that the Diamondbacks had it wrapped up in the in the ninth inning. They did. Had a five to three lead going into the ninth. Paul Seawalt comes in to close it out. The dude has been absolute nails this, this postseason. Man. Has not given up a run until this night, in which he walked a batter. 
And then came Corey Seager. And this to me was like textbook Paul Seawald. After that first walk, I wasn't watching the game. I had other stuff going on that night. Yeah. And we were at a we were at a Halloween function. Um, but I would have like I would have texted you, Brig, as soon as he walked that dude, been like, this game's gonna be tied here in just a minute. Because this is what happens with Paul Seawald every single time. If he walks the first or second batter, what he does is he overcompensates and leans more toward the heart of the plate. He does this every single time. And I don't know if he does it consciously or subconsciously, but I feel like this is what happens every single time is as soon as he walks a guy, he gets a little bit fatter on the plate and he was able to get away with it with Marcus Simeon because he has been ice cold. Yeah. That's fact. Yeah. But you get the machine up there, Corey Seager, (laughs) and you can't give that guy anything over the plate anytime, Mm -hmm. anywhere. And you certainly couldn't put him on because then you've got the winning run at the plate. Right. Yeah. With Garcia or Lowe. Right, you don't want those guys coming up as the winning run. No, you don't. And so you kind of pitched to him, and Seawall got too fat on the plate, and Seeger put it in the seats where it belonged. It and it was and just a monster. It was, and it's crazy because, like, like I said, as a Mariners fan, I saw this several times throughout the year, where yeah. he would walk a guy in the ninth inning, like, oh shoot, this game's about to be tied it's, or over. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll do you one better. Corey Seager's game-tying two-run home run is only the 14th time in World Series history, Brad, that turned a would-be loss into a tie or a win. That's crazy. I thought that was a pretty cool statistic. So the Rangers, uh, they won the game 6-5, to five, and Adolis Garcia hit a freaking nuke to off and it was that <laughs> so, dude. i mean it was an oppo it was an oppo taco right an oppo bomb. yeah it was an oppo taco yeah um i i thought after people describing it as a nuke i thought it was going to be like an, a lot farther because i i felt like it kind of snuck over the wall well yeah yeah i thought i had a chance it was, of not making it out because it was oppo though i was like dude because he, he did <laughs> miss a little bit and it did, he did. Not, it, and that's the thing. He did miss it a little bit. You're right. But that guy's so strong, though, that had he got it clean, it would have been. I mean, now I'm going to apologize. Anyway, <laughs> I just like Garcia. We'll talk more I about know him you do. in a minute. I like him when he's anyway, not playing the teams I'm cheering for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ended in the 11th inning. Guys, this was the first time this entire postseason we've had free baseball. And we learned that there's no Manfred man on second Right. My base. mom actually texted me that day and she said, yeah. are they using the runner on second? I was like, I don't remember. I couldn't remember either, but it didn't start. The 10th the didn't start with a runner on second. And I was like, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the way it should be. It was such a pure game at that point. Mm-hmm. I just was very happy. The whole thing was a very pure game and it was exciting. Well, and- and hopefully, hopefully, my last thing on the Manfred man, hopefully this, the fact that that game ended the 11th uh, goes a long way to them being like, you know, maybe we don't need it so much. Yeah, or maybe we can start it in the 12th. I totally, totally agree. So the game lasted like four and a half hours, though, because once they started going to their bullpen really heavily, both teams. Oh, it takes forever, every time. That, that slowed everything down. I remember looking up. Everybody else fell asleep. It was me and the dog. And I'm like, what? 
why why is this game and then i looked at the clock and i'm like holy crap <laughs> of course it's this has been a thousand year long game so anyway that was that was also interesting it's probably not the longest game in world series history but no. we can go look at that uh Cattell Marte, like we said we, he hit a double that extended his postseason streak to 17 that was at the time they really interesting the d-backs stole four bases in game one alone that is to me incredible and i think christian walker was one of them if i'm not mistaken which makes it even more incredible. uh he was yeah like i think yeah. technically it was considered a stolen base but i think it was mostly like defensive indifference indifference yeah yeah uh yeah um, Marte had one walker had one alec thomas carol. had one Car- carol didn't have one. Oh, he didn't have one oh, or all the perdomo had the other one. Oh, cool so here, but but it was such a like we expected a pitching duel between Evaldi and Gallon, and they both had really strong outings at times, and then they got really shaky at other times, and mm-hmm. it really balanced it out. It became a really balanced game. Evaldi faced twenty-two batters, struck out eight. He earned five runs on six hits and one walk. That was over four and two-thirds innings pitched. Then Gallon had twenty-two batters faced. Struck out five. He earned three of the runs on four hits, and he gave up four walks. That was across five innings pitched. So really, the comparison between the two, fascinating. I think, How though, even. I think I think Gallon's four walks, though, were by design. Because mm-hmm. um, at that point, I their agree. plan, I think, was to not pitch to Seager. And right? maybe he had Garcia. And... Yeah, because they walked him once. They walked Jonah Heim twice. I don't think that's by design. <laughs> I don't think that's by design either. But I think, no. I think though, walking Seager, walking Garcia, I think that was part of the game plan. They need to stick with it. I agree. I don't care if you've got a run on first at this point. You got to stick with it. Yeah, that's the only way to win. Because right he's now. he is the guy who's killing you. He tied the game. Spoiler alert: He won the game tonight. Yep, he sure did. Tell him about game two, Brad. Okay. Cattell Marte extended his hitting streak to 18 games. Um, it was at that point is no longer a four-way tie. This put him first place all alone, all time. Tommy Pham went four for four. What who's this guy? Right? <laughs> Suddenly. <laughs> yeah. The guy, um, the guy who, who self-proclaimed is the long ball guy on a small ball club. Right? <laughs> and he goes four for four. Yeah, I love it. It's amazing. Uh, by the way, he has cool shoes. Can we just say for just a minute, his oh, shoes yeah. are killer. And I'm 99% sure, Brick, I had those same, like that same pattern on my cleats when I was in like fifth grade, but they were black. Yeah, and yeah. White. Oh, and yeah, totally. Not totally. nearly as cool as the black and red because that is absolute fire. But mm-hmm. so this is a cool thing about about Tommy Pham. So he approached the Diamondbacks manager, Terry Lavolo, and he said, hey, my buddy Jace Peterson is on this roster. I know he's there's a good chance he might not get into a game. The game is in hand. The, the Diamondbacks, I believe, are up 9-1 to one at this point, 7-1. to 7-1. to one. I think it was 7-1. to 7-1. Uh, and he, told, he asked the manager, he put him in to pinch hit for me. So he did. Jace Peterson got in there, got his at bat. Yep. And I think that is a totally classy move by Fam. Not totally. It was not a. I don't want to play anymore. Sit me down. It was no. Do my buddy a solid here. Get him in a bat well, because this could be the only chance. Well, in listening to Lavolo talk about it, it was, 
It was, he said, I don't know anybody who pays more attention to every single insignificant and significant detail in the ball game. The dude knew he had four for four. He knew what was going on with all the other players. He knew he had a chance to make history and he still approached me and said, Hey, hook my boy up. Let's do this. Yeah. And the, and Lavolo comes in and he says, look, there are some conditions and I will circle back based on what the situation dictates, but I don't know if I can do it. I can't promise. And then it worked out that he was able to, I think is really amazing teamwork and really cool of the manager to do that. I just loved it. That's kind of human interest piece that I just think Mm -hmm. is awesome. Yeah. So it looks like Peterson reached on a fielder's choice and then he came around to score. Would you look at that? What do you know? (laughs) So it's funny though. So looking at this about about Tommy Pham, this is the last thing about this is I think what we can learn from this break is if he is your friend, he will be fiercely loyal to you. Well, I'm telling you, but if you wrong him, he will slap you in the face on the warning track of the field. (laughs) He absolutely will slap you across the face. (laughs) (laughs) Jack Peterson, what the five fingers say to the face? <laughs> that's the, that's the kind of guy that is a great callback <laughs> it's a great call so uh more on game two the rangers only had four hits the entire game thanks to merrill kelly pitched lights out tossed an absolute gem one run on three hits struck out nine over seven complete again i was at another halloween function but i was following along on my phone this time and I was shocked that he actually went out there for the seventh. Couldn't believe yeah, it. Yeah, I was too. Yeah. But also super fired up. I love that Evan Longoria had a sack bunt. He and two Did other guys. That? I just love that they're doing this. But the fact that Evan Longoria is doing it, because he's been struggling at the plate anyway, and the fact that he will just lay one down, and mm-hmm. then, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we awesome. all know he's not going to beat it out. Like, <laughs> Right. <laughs> we all know that. Yeah. Yeah, there is one reason he's bunting. And I I love that the Diamondbacks are doing this. We talked about this going into the series that they're a yeah. sack bunt team, they're a small ball team. Yeah. And they're still they're continuing to do it. They haven't been taking advantage of opportunities to run as much. They only had one stolen base in game 2 and one stolen base in game 3. Yeah. I think they need to get the game running, moving a little bit more because with all the sto- what we said four stolen bases in game 1. Yeah. They pretty like it came down to a bad pitch that yeah. they lost that game, right? Totally. Yeah. Or that they, they didn't have it wrapped up in nine. So I think if they keep things moving, I think they have a real shot to take the series because I agree. they didn't take advantage of opportunities to run tonight. They didn't have very many, but they should have taken more advantage of them. Yeah. So. Well, speaking of tonight, the game three just ended. So a couple of notables. The roof was open tonight. Uh, the weather was Perfecto. Oh, so good today, Brig. Like, I walked outside wearing a hoodie and shorts, and I could not have been more comfortable. It was amazing. That's awesome. Such perfect weather in Phoenix right now. Christian Walker ran through a stop sign at third base. This is notable. Uh, he was out by, you know, you could say a mile, but it was more like four miles. <laughs> He's uh, out by a country mile, Brig. It was never going to happen. And, uh, the, but he missed the sign. That's what it was. He was getting waved home before he got to third base. He put his head down to step on the bag and he never lifted his head back up because the third base coach did put the sign to stop and he just missed it. 
So and then as he ran the, the, the thing that I, I absolutely loved was as he ran by the third base coach, like he was just so defeated, just like get down, <laughs> gotta yeah. slide. The coach was like, All right, sorry, man. Yeah. yeah. So but that Lavola was an opportunity say, for a rally. It was. And Lavola said as soon as Christian Walker got in the clubhouse or got in the dugout, he owned it. He said that he missed he said that he missed it. He should have looked up, completely owned it. Yeah. Just, my bad. My bad guys. Yeah. But it was such a bummer because it killed the rally before it even had a chance to start. John Smoltz pointed out instead of runners on first and third with one out, now you've got a runner on second or first and third with nobody out. Now you've got a runner on second with one out. And it totally changed the dynamic of the inning. Yeah, it did. Uh, Corey Seager hits every single possible pitch. It, you could throw him a dinner plate and he'd hit it. You could throw him a pebble, he'd hit it. It wouldn't, it wouldn't matter. He wouldn't just he hit it, he'd hit, hit it out. Everything. Yeah, he'd, he'd get out hit it well. That pebble's going. <laughs> you. Um, so he did it again tonight against Brandon Fott, and that's just what he's doing now. He's just in the zone, man. That dude's lights out. I don't know yeah. what else to say. He is. And I will say this about Brandon Fott, is that the guy you saw in the third inning tonight was the guy the Diamondbacks trotted out there most of the season. Um, yeah, pretty good. Not bad. He got out of it. You know, only gave. I want to say only gave up three runs, but it's only three runs really on like three pitches. Three. Yeah. Right. Right. There was a single. Yeah. Or I think it was a double, a single, and a home run. Yeah. So he was pretty. He's pretty much fine after. Other than that, but it's that one inning will kill you. Yeah, it was, and it did tonight. the The thing is, is that there was such an opportunity for the Diamondbacks tonight. If they get their bats going, then they would have they had a chance to really dominate this game because mm -hmm. Scherzer was done after three innings. He, he left with back tightness now, and it may have had something to do with that comebacker that hit him on the elbow and he kind of spun and twisted out of the way. And then it went, you know, it caromed off his elbow and got barehanded. At yeah. Third base. It hit like it hit his elbow, hit his back and then went to young at third. I'm honestly surprised that young was a, able to make that play that clean and get Man. the runner at first. No kidding, dude. Like, that was some seriously. Like, he must have been in the twilight zone or something because <laughs> he barehanded it, made the made the throw. It was absolutely beautiful. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It was yeah. ma magic. So that might have been that might have been why Scherzer left. Uh, who's who's to say? Adolis Garcia also exited the game. This was in the eighth inning. He had some side tightness. He took a really awkward swing. He has a big boy swing, let's be honest. And he, he yeah, wants yeah. it all, all the time. Violent. So, but he, he was basically limping to first base. And it looked like that, um, that those like oblique muscles is what he was kind of, especially toward the rear, hmm. you know? And I don't know. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they come back with. But, you know, he's got to play more. He's not going to sit if he can help it. So, right. It'll be interesting. What do you think? How does the dynamic change, Brad? If Adolis Garcia, it can't play the rest of the series. One less guy you got to pitch to. That's true. I mean, Zach Gallon talked about the Phillies about how really you're worried about Scherzer and Harper, and not too much about anybody else in that lineup. You mean Schwarber, Schwarber. And That's Harper. what I meant. Schwarber and Harper. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know Nick Castellanos, if he got fired, he'd have been trouble, but he didn't. And I, totally. I feel like the Rangers aren't too different. Um, Simeon hasn't super shown up yet. Mm -mm. Seeger is a problem. Garcia is a problem. 
Yeah. Nathaniel Lowe can be if he gets going. Yeah. I don't think he's got to be too big of a problem yet for the D-backs. Jonah Heim, they, they haven't given him given him an opportunity to really get going yet. Carter gets um, on base, though, and Garber he does. can. And Garber can, but at the same time, though, they're not guys that you're afraid of. No. It's it's potent that those guys, it's potential. Oh, yeah, yeah, he could potentially hurt us, but I'm not too worried about it. If he does, right. yeah. if 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 Garver and Carver beat us, okay. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, right. Like, let's do everything we can to keep Seeger from beating us because he's yeah. more likely to. I there think you is go. The way you is the way you address that. And yeah. so I don't know. I don't I don't think they're worried being down two one. I don't I, I don't wouldn't be so. worried at all. Tonight was a quiet night with the bats. Friday night was a couple of bad pitches, right? Yeah. Just like yeah. a bad luck inning for Seawald that was quite frankly overdue for a closer. Totally. Yeah, that dude was <laughs> you know, I don't care who you are, you don't go that long without not giving up a run. And it was nine out of nine saves up until that point. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna blow a save eventually, and it just happened yeah. to be game one of the World Series. Yeah. Well, the this was the least eventful game of the series. That's absolutely true. Let's hope it's the last of its kind, I say. The yes. game ended three to one, Texas. All three of Texas's runs came in the third. Uh, the Rangers are notably on a nine to zero, a nine win, zero loss road streak. They're nine and zero oh on the road. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Why Getting late was there, break. So hard to say. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I need to retire to my quarters. <laughs> <laughs> not Maybe used to down with some. <laughs> nah. Not used to being up this late on the ship, are you, Cap? I guess no. not. I don't usually pull the watch at this bell. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> or whatever. Okay. <laughs> but no, I. So, okay. So, the rain, like you said, Rangers are undefeated so far in the, in the postseason. No, I don't know. Yeah. Who you on got the in the series? Nine and zero on the road, right? Who you got in this series? Do you think the Rangers win this series on the road? They end up taking a game five, or do they take it back home? I what? think they lose. They're going to lose in Arizona one game. Okay. Do you think so? I think they'll lose at least one. Yeah. 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 Because this is the thing: is that so far. Relatively speaking, the Diamondbacks have shut down the Texas Bats. Yes. Right. Six to five. I get that. But three of those are scored in the ninth inning and later. That's right. That's right. They let, they scored one, one run in game two. Mm -hmm. Three runs tonight was all. That's it. Those are not insurmountable for the Diamondbacks. No way. They just got to get things moving with stealing bases, set more sack bunts, string together some more hits because that's their game. Manufacture but, runs, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I think the Diamondbacks can still pull this thing out. It's a long series. Yeah, that's true. Two more games in Arizona before we have to decide if we're going back to the Arlington area, Globe Life Field, baseball family. The next game is tonight, Tuesday, on Hamelin. That's what we call it around here, Hamelin. <laughs> I like that, Hamelin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and if you've been paying attention on TikTok, or if you have, I guess if you haven't been paying attention on TikTok, we did the 13 days of MLB Halloween with the postseason, the World Series. The last one will be going up today. 
yeah. if you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. Some of those I feel like belong in a museum, Frig. They're pretty cool. Some of them are pretty they're sick. Pretty, like the Jonah Heim one has been my the, favorite one so far. The, the Jonah Heim one is sick. The Jonah Heim so, one needs to be printed and on your wall one day. Like it's it's that good. It's saved to my phone. I was really happy about it. Like automatically saved yeah. to my phone. And I was That's like, awesome. I might just need to like save that and like put it up. I think you're right. It's gonna go up when I have like a an office studio. You should. It's it's cool. Or maybe yeah. we'll just make it part of our Halloween decorations. I don't know. Yeah, put it up for the Halloween times. Yeah. There you go. I like it. All right, baseball like family, for sticking with us. Appreciate you watching on YouTube and listening on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you happen to consume the podcast. And uh, hope you have a happy Halloween if that's your thing. If not, dilly dilly. And we'll talk to you on Thursday night.